Life's too short for crap marketing. The Got Marketing Podcast is for marketers, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want marketing that's fun, accessible, and meaningful. Join me, Mia Feilman, for inspired chats with my favorite marketing insiders about marketing that works, campaigns that inspire, and the fads, fakery, and false profits to avoid. Hello, friend, and welcome to today's episode of Got Marketing. In marketing, we love strategy, and you are probably familiar with the terms business strategy, marketing strategy, brand strategy, content strategy, social media strategy, email marketing strategy, SEO strategy. How many strategies do we really need? This is the conversation I'm going to have today with my guest. If we're talking social media specifically, there's a ton of noise. Whatever your differentiating value is, we got to make that very clear right off the bat and why that's beneficial to the consumer. That was Ashley Drager, a director of marketing and strategy, helping women-owned businesses thrive with strategic marketing. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here too. This is one of my first overseas podcast interviews where I had to like set an alarm to come and come and do it, which is exciting because it means that the Got Marketing podcast is going international. Yes, yes. I'm a little surprised to hear that. I would have expected to not be the first US-based listener, student, guest, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in about 20 countries, but we're not where our our footprint is very much Australia, but it's it's starting to this year looking at the analytics, it's really starting to pick up and in some really crazy places, uh Denmark. Mm. The Netherlands and Denmark seem to be, you know, obviously Australia, New Zealand, Canada, but I think the US has so many marketing podcasts that it can be a little bit hard to break into that market, but game on, let's go. Yeah, there is a lot of noise, but we can, we can, we can talk about that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your business. You're a certified director of marketing with a mission to empower women-led businesses. Why specifically women? And yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it, it has been an evolving journey, uh, as I'm sure with most businesses. Uh, but I started freelancing a uh, little over three years ago now and have really started focusing on marketing over the last two years. Uh, I got my certification to be a director of marketing and have been focused very heavily on startups and small businesses. I love working with women-owned businesses. I love working with businesses who are in the sustainability space, eco-friendly, really looking to make a positive impact in the world, uh, whether it's in human rights or social issues, or even just smaller, you know, smaller scale things at home, you know, cleaning products, cloth diapering, anything, anything in that space is, it really lights up my marketing excitement. (laughs) Because you can, you can relate to it probably as a mom and, Mm -hmm. you know, as a woman, I I found it really difficult when I was running an agency to get excited about mining, to get excited about construction, to get excited about self-managed super funds. It just, it was not my jam. Oh, definitely. It's uh, something that I have always believed in is that when it comes to sales, uh, and I think marketing and sales are so closely tied together, not the same, but um, you you know one without the other. And to really sell something, you have to believe in it. Mm. Um, I think it's really hard to sell something that you don't see the value in or you don't see 
truly benefiting whoever is going to be using it, consuming it. And those those things are near and dear to my heart. So having those in the personal side of my life is very easy to bring in the creativity and, and the marketing for them. Yeah. I was at a networking event here in Darwin and Darwin is right in the top of Australia and it's very construction town, mining, uh, defense. And I was at this networking event. I spent 30 minutes talking to a bloke because he wanted help with his social media. And after 30 minutes, I still couldn't really explain to you what he did. And then he's like, so do you think you could help me with my LinkedIn post? I'm like, look, mate, I just don't think I can because I you've explained it to me three times how you use like automate lights but not in a house and I just, I don't get it. So no, I don't <laughs> think I can sell it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what we're going to talk about today is one of our favorite topics and that, you know, sort of brought us together is marketing strategy, but this is loaded, right? There's so much to unpack, so I want to get into it with you. Let's start with something that's potentially easy. What exactly is a marketing strategy in your terms, Ashley? I really look at a marketing strategy as your intentional plan to take you from where you're at in your business to where you want to be, which is achieving whatever goals you have set out for yourself. Um, I don't want to say strictly income and sales goals, although that is usually at the core of what most people come to me looking for you know, support with their marketing for. But there's so many other things that you could be looking to achieve with your marketing efforts. So the strategy is really just knowing what you're going to be doing, when you're going to be doing it, why you're going to be doing it, and how that relates back to whatever your goals are for your marketing and for your business. Oh, I love that. That's actually quite concise. The, you know, people can be three minutes deep into a description and still not really tell me. So um, what are some of the things that you think you need to include in a marketing strategy? You mentioned what you need to be doing, how you need to be doing. Can you get a little bit more specific, just top line? Yeah, so I work primarily with service-based businesses. I do some product-based, but speaking mostly to the service-based industry, for me, the marketing strategy really comes down to three things. Who your ideal client is, what your offers are, and what your messaging is. To me, that really encompasses pretty much anything that you're going to be doing with your marketing and with your marketing strategy. You know, what content are you going to be creating? Who are you going to be talking to? What are you selling? Why do they care about what you're selling? Mm. You know, what are their pain points? What are their desires? I feel like all of that really gets covered in those three categories. Mm. So whenever I'm working with somebody, I usually always start with with those three. Typically the offers for getting very specific because who your ideal client is or who your target market is, could there's so many different people so many different groups that you could be speaking to, but ultimately your offer or what you're selling is specific to your skill set, which isn't nearly as easily adjusted versus the specific demographic or the target group that you're speaking to. And how do you go about working with them about making sure that their offer is going to resonate with that target audience? What sort of goes into that? Usually when people come to me, they've already validated their offer in some way. It's not usually a brand new, never tested, never explored concept. So usually when I'm talking to them, I ask, you know, what are people saying about your services or what are they, what are they saying about your offers? What questions are they asking you? What feedback are you getting? You know, when, when they come to you to start working with you with your services or your offers, 
What specifically are they saying that they want help overcoming? Why are they connecting with you in the first place? And that usually brings it down to a very, I don't want to say like simple or basic, but the, the most foundational level to everything else. And then that's where we can really get deeper into, you know, what are their pain points? What are their desires? What are they struggling with? What are the challenges? All of those different pieces. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, so then we come to the crux of the issue. Is there one marketing strategy? Is there a strategy for every channel? Do you need a brand strategy and a marketing strategy and a content strategy and a digital strategy? Can you talk me through your views? And I know that the million billion marketers that exist don't all get into a room and agree. In fact, we never agree on anything. And I think most marketers <laughs> are, 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 are marketers in quotation marks. So um, I'd love to just hear your view on this, Ashley, in terms of like how many strategies do we need? Oh, I love this question. Probably people are going to hate my answer, but it, I think it depends. I think it depends on the the size of the business, the the needs, the scale, the size of the offer, all of those things. So, um, you know, for example, the SEO strategy, you don't necess- you don't need an SEO strategy if you're not if you don't have a website, right? Like that's going to be really where a lot of the SEO strategy is going to come in for. I mean, sure we could talk about landing pages or, you know, that kind of stuff anything that's Google searchable, but depending on what your marketing so I guess it, my answer would probably start with, you need the marketing strategy to know what other strategies you need. But I don't think that you need to start out with having every single one of those strategies. I think you start with your main strategy and then add those pieces in as you need them. You know, if you're if you're just first starting out in your business, you're a solopreneur, freelancer, probably don't need a brand strategy nearly as much as you need the business or the marketing strategy, right? But if you're at, you know, seven figures, multi-seven figures, yeah, you probably need a brand strategy at that scale, at that size, but mm. depends on a lot of other factors. It's not going to be black and white, cut and dry because marketing, it's a test. Nine letter word for a test. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. <laughs> I agree. I think we have worked ourselves into this bundle with this idea of strategies and that people have been paralyzed because they don't have one and are constantly self-flagellating because they don't have one or they don't have what they think one is, which is a you know a 90-page Word document that sits in a drawer that costs them $10,000 that they never look at. So I feel like it's become a barrier to people's success. People think strategy and they they start to break out in hives because it sounds complicated, it sounds expensive, and it sounds like you need a million one of them. So um, I really like your no-nonsense approach to like, <laughs> you know, what you need and nothing else. So you work with service-based businesses in a couple of years into business. Can you talk us through like what a typical sort of roadmap would look like in terms of like, okay, we start with our marketing strategy. What would then come next after that? Yeah. So when I'm first building out a strategy for someone, I always try to get their what they're comfortable with a monthly budget being mm. to implement that strategy, right? It's like you said, it's great having this beautifully crafted, articulate slide deck of a marketing strategy that outlines all of these things. But if there's not the implementation on the back end of it, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's a waste of money, right? Mm. 
So knowing what that monthly budget is and the capacity for the business owner, the team to implement it, that's where the conversation gets directed when I'm presenting them the strategy that I've built out. So, you know, how much content do they want to create versus how much content do they want me to be creating? And, uh, you know, do they already have a team that's going to be doing everything for them or do do we need to hire a team? Mm. So it really depends on, you know, what that strategy looks like, how much money they have to implement it and how much time and interest they have of doing it themselves. It's always a balance of of those three. Yeah. If you can't be consistent with it, then we need to adjust that strategy to figure out a different way to accomplish whatever goals we're going to be set up to achieving. Absolutely. I mean, doing something once is not going to get the job done, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, with how much is going out these days, the the number of times that people need to see an offer, or see, you know, see something for a brand before they're willing to take an action is it's growing from what it was just a couple of years ago. I think it's sitting at about 30, mm-hmm. 30 touch points before people are ready to take action after hearing about something. Used to be seven. That's right. Yeah. In the Mad Men era. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, bring back the chain smoking and yeah. the rule of seven. <laughs> no, don't, don't bring back the chain smoking. No. no. <laughs> no. Okay, so we start with our marketing strategy, which answers some big questions like, you know, who are you serving? What do you want to be known for? What are your offers? And, you know, what are your key messages? And then we then need to look at how we apply that to particular channels. Like, this is what we do. And so, like, we have a program called Nail Your Email Marketing Strategy, which is all about going, okay, great, you're going to use emails. How? What role is email marketing going to play sitting underneath the overarching marketing strategy in order to help achieve those goals? What are we going to use emails for? Is it for nurturing our audience? Is it for building our audience? Is it for converting our audience? How are we going to, you know, how many emails are we going to send? What are we going to put in them? How are we going to segment our audience in order to make sure that we're getting the right messages to the right people at the right time? How much are we going to invest in email marketing? So this is what strategy is. It's not, you know, what trending audio you're going to apply to your reel today. The strategy is the decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Because that's, it's knowing why you're doing something versus just following all of the gurus that say you should be doing this, right? Everyone says you should have email marketing in, in as part of your strategy, but why? What is, what is the intention behind that? And I think to take that another step is because marketing changes constantly, right? Like we still have the very foundational pieces that have been very consistent for years and years and years, but without knowing why you're using that or how that's tying into your overall goals or your the bigger picture, it's harder to make those adjustments when trends change, right? If you're just using trends as your marketing strategy, you're always going to be behind the curve. You're always going to be, you know, Mm. chasing something else versus strategically thinking, okay, this is why we're using email marketing because our ideal customer does X, Y, and Z. So maybe let's try this to get to the same Mm. outcome that's maybe more cost-effective or less time consuming or, you know, whatever the case may be, but knowing why you're using that versus just following the shoulds helps you to make decisions more intentionally. Absolutely. Yeah. And how you're going to use it. It's like part of a strategy saying, okay, I'm going to be on Pinterest and on Pinterest, I'm going to run ads and I'm going to run 
$5,000 of ads every single month. And then I'm going to use those ads for lead generation because that's what Pinterest is good for. It's actually in service-based businesses, it's not great for conversion. It's great for conversion for product-based businesses. So you need some of that now. You need some of that analysis. You need to know that about Pinterest. You need to go and do your research. We don't write strategies in a vacuum without any data, without any insights, without any, you know, inputs in order to create this strategy. So now that we know that Pinterest is not great for converting for service-based businesses and we're both service-based businesses, then we're going to use what Pinterest is good for, which is essentially a search engine. We're going to run lead generation ads to our website so that it works a little bit like a Google. That's the beginning of a of a Pinterest marketing strategy. And then we can get like specific from there, but that's what I would put on a slide. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's it brings that full journey in of, you know, where you're starting and then the different steps or the milestones that somebody's going to take to achieve a desired outcome. Mm. All right. Any final thoughts about quantity, quality of strategies before we move on? Yeah, I think I think I just wanted to mention that a lot of the online space has made strategy seem so complex mm. and that you have to hire everyone in order to have effective marketing to get good results. And as a marketer, as somebody who would sell marketing services, I just, I don't think that that's true. I think that everybody makes it seem too complex and it doesn't have to be. I think that there's definitely a time and place for hiring specialists and experts. You know, like I'm not an SEO expert. I would hire somebody if I were bringing SEO into my strategy. But like I said before, you don't have to have everything to get results. Start with what you can be very consistent with and add things in as you need, hire out as you need versus having everything done right at the very get-go and expecting to see very quick ROI on a short time span. Yeah. And also we need to talk about the elephant in the room, which is that traditionally we'd create a strategy before we would start going. You know, like before you actually started running your business, you would actually have a strategy. But that was because we were launching into known markets, you know? An accountant was building an accounting practice and the path for how to go from, you know, zero to a fully scaled traditional accounting practice was pretty well laid. Um, and then likewise, if you were launching a product into a supermarket in Australia, that was millions of brands have done that before. And so we can see what strategies have worked and what haven't worked. Now we're dealing with online businesses where we're launching into markets where they don't exist yet. We're creating those markets. We're creating those products. We are productizing services. That hasn't been done before. Like what would have been the point of Uber writing a comprehensive marketing strategy before they actually started running this disruptive business model. And I read about this in the Harvard Business Review that actually we as startups and online businesses that are, we're building categories, we're building markets. We need to have this mentality of always being in beta. We just need, that's where we live because we are making this up as we are going along. We are literally building the plane while it is in the sky. So I think that's an even bigger argument for why you should just start light. Start with those three things that you mentioned, Ashley, rather than over-investing in a strategy where you don't have as much of the inputs 
as an established brand would have because you are forging a new category. You are, you know, you are just, you're making this up as you are going along. And so we need to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. I think that when you're very, very first starting out, there's still a benefit to having an intentional plan that you're putting together, you know, knowing why you're doing something so that you can be very consistent with it. But the strategies that I would write for a brand new startup do not look the same versus somebody who's already in seven figures, right? Mm. Somebody who's already in seven figures, we're going to be talking a lot more about a SWOT analysis, the situation analysis versus someone who's, you know, maybe they're the only person on the team or they have one other person. I'm probably not going to go nearly as deep into those areas because they're just, I just don't think they're as relevant, mm. right? You know, they're going to be the exact same or very, very similar for a lot of startups versus somebody who's been in business for, you know, three to five years plus, who's at those higher revenue levels. Yeah. So just, you know, like you said, knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it and be consistent, take that data and then evolve it, mm. make some adjustments. Agree. Yeah. And I've got another view on this as well that I also was reading recently about this notion that, okay, you've got your marketing strategy, which is the most important part. And you and I agree on that. And then when it comes to applying that to all different channels, you know, social media, email marketing, PR, SEO, really you can ask yourself one question, which is how can I be of value to my audience? So how can I use email to be of value to my audience? How can I use social media to be of value to my audience? How can I use, you know, search engine optimization to be of value to my audience? Well, I can make it so that it's really easy for them to get to where they're going and label things and, you know, give good headings and like, you know, all of that. So I really like that because I, I've been thinking about in preparation for this chat with you, we really, we have one strategy, one marketing strategy, and it's quite big because we add the other channels to the back of it. But really it comes down to that value-based strategy. How am I going to use email marketing to be a value to my audience? And then if you approach it from that perspective, then you're always going to hit the nail on the head, right? Because you are always serving that target audience. Oh, I love that. I love that. So that's a very interesting question to think about when you're creating your own content and when you're putting your own marketing strategy together or when you're working with clients, right? It really cuts through a lot of the noise to get very specific on what the customer wants and needs to hear. Mm. And that's what that's how you're going to stand out. Yeah. And there's lots of different ways to deliver value, right? right. So it's not just about educating them. I mean... In long form content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Like you want to do 100 characters in an Instagram post. <laughs> yeah. If you inspire me, that's valuable to me. If you mm -hmm. entertain me, that's valuable to me. If, you know, you and I are building a personal connection from across the world, then that's valuable to me. There's lots of different ways to deliver value, but mm -hmm. the the goal of my social media account, the goal of my email account is ultimately to serve my audience, right? Oh, yeah. Food for thought. I like that. Yeah. Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for marketers and entrepreneurs. Learn practical, repeatable, and actionable steps to market with confidence. Nail your email marketing strategy or join Campaign Classroom and learn to create memorable and effective marketing campaigns. 
These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice, nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect hands-on, tailored advice, accountability, and a supportive community, and you will walk away with lifelong marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. All right. So recently, you completed Campaign Classroom with 19 other Aussies. So I would love to hear your observations of how you felt from that, you know, um, 10-week program, how female founders in Australia differ to the US because that's sort of the next frontier for Campaign Del Mar is breaking more into the US market. So what what were your observations? Yeah, I, I think there were a lot of similarities I didn't feel out of place at all in, in campaign classroom. I felt like I fit in very, very easily, uh, aside from the the accent. <laughs> I'm sure that stood out like a sore thumb. <laughs> but there were there were a lot of similarities. I really appreciated the higher level conversations that we had inside of campaign classroom. It felt very thought provoking with everyone that was inside of campaign classroom. And compared to a lot of the other programs that I've been a part of um, that were more U.S.-based that was not nearly as consistent. It really depended on the level of investment that I would have had to make for a U.S.-based program. So I really appreciated the the type of conversation, the depth of the conversation that everybody was interested in having inside of Campaign Classroom. And every week, it just felt like I got more and more and more value. I mean, I think I mentioned this before. I, I, I got my entire the entire investment was worth it in the first video week, the first module that you put together in Camping Classroom. She's not paid to say that. (laughs) I'm thrilled to hear that. That's fantastic. I mean, everyone knows Camping Classroom is my third baby for sure. I think that that is Camping Classroom, that high level thought-provoking conversation, you know, we do knock back more people than we take onto the program because it is not supposed to be 101. It's not tier one marketing education. It is tier two, tier three. So um, so I'm glad that that's actually coming along. Was there anything, I mean, personality-wise, humor-wise, I hear that, you know, Australians are so sarcastic and constantly cracking jokes, even in business environment, whereas Americans are a bit more professional. Is that is that true or is this just some sort of like myth that has prevailed. <laughs> no, yeah, I would I would say that that did prove to be true for my the round of campaign classroom that I was in. There wasn't anything negative or um inappropriate or anything like that, but there were some just some conversations or remarks I was like it felt very um casual in a good way mm-hmm. versus like I I think I came in very reserved like okay, what, you know, how is everybody going to be, you know, conducting themselves? What is the type of interaction that we're going to have and Everyone was very friendly and um, it felt like everybody already knew each other going into this. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because when I listen to US-based female marketing leaders like Amy Porterfield or Marie Forleo, they sound so polished, like so professional, so polished. I don't think that that resonates as well in Australia. I think that that just seems unapproachable to us. We're just like, that's, you know, big, big stage business. And I want someone that I can 
feel I can relate to. What's your, what are your thoughts on that? It's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of U.S. consumers and business owners feel that same way. Mm. And I know for me, it was a big barrier in showing up on my own social media pages because I would be listening to those podcasts and think that that is how a professional is supposed to conduct themselves in front of an audience, in front of their, you know, those who are following them. And that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) I am very laid back, very casual. I don't think of myself as very articulate all the time um, with this very large vocabulary. And so I think that there is a shift in the U.S. market right now where they're kind of calling BS on that a little bit more. Um, And they are wanting more of just the real raw, this is, you know, you're just an an everyday average person Mm. that is inspiring them to think about things differently or teaching them something, but not in a way of, I'm higher than you. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's so interesting. I think I did see something about Amy Porterfield saying, because she launched on TikTok not too long ago, saying that she's trying very hard to not have her hair and makeup perfect for every TikTok video, not having it absolutely scripted because her podcast is scripted down to the last letter. Like there is there is no ums and ahs, there's no ad-libbing, and then it's edited down to the last letter as well. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes for her and whether she becomes a bit more approachable or whether she's too far in the grooves of this quite professional being. I mean, she's fabulous, but it is um, it is a very different style to, to mine and sounds like to yours as well. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to watch because I think it sounds like, do you remember the big trend change on Instagram where everything was very polished, very perfect, um, and then everyone's like, that's not real life. Mm. I don't want to see that. Yeah. And then the big trend changed to, you know, this is, this is my messy home. This is my morning hair. That's, you know, like that kind of yeah. appearance. Yeah. It seems like that's where a lot of the other channels are starting to catch up to or starting to show more of. Yeah. It's interesting to see that play out on TikTok. There's still very much this big influencer that's, they're all beauty influencers or they're um, fashion influencers. And, you know, it's the get ready with me videos and they, they have this perfect makeup by the end, but at the beginning, they've just rolled out of bed, right? And there's still some of them that are, you know, portraying this perfect life. But there is this massive cohort of creators on TikTok that are exactly like you said, Ashley, they are just cleaning their house and are filming it. And we are watching it going, oh, this is so satisfying (laughs) watching someone (laughs) deep clean a bathroom and like her roots are showing and she's in her active wear. And and then we get ready with her and she lights a scented candle. And I'm just like, oh, I really enjoyed that. That was, that was cathartic. And, you know, I think about some of the big TikTok influencers like Elise Myers. I don't think I've ever seen her wear makeup. I don't think I've ever seen her try to polish anything. And she is hilarious and insanely relatable. So in a way, I feel like TikTok is dictating the trend that the rest of the social media channels are going to go on. And I'm, I'm here for it. I think it's great. If TikTok can start to influence Instagram and make it more authentic and relatable, I'm so here for it. Oh, I I completely agree. I think I think it's just a matter of time because TikTok is always has been leading those trends, especially with 
reels and the trending reels and you know what your people are choreographing and trending audio. Um, I was very late to the TikTok game. I don't create on TikTok, but I consume TikTok. And now it's very interesting to see all of those trends on TikTok. And then when they translate over onto my Instagram feed, but by the, for me, at least by the time it shows up on Instagram, to me, it's old and outdone. I'm like, oh, this is really boring. Like I've been watching this for a month on TikTok Mm. and now I don't care to see it on Instagram, you know? So yeah. And something gets lost in translation. I think it just, you know, when we take it from three minutes to 60 seconds and you apply an Instagram filter, it loses its luster, to be honest. Yeah. It does. It does. Yeah. 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 So I feel like just like Americans probably need to tone it down a, a little bit, Australians need to tone it up a little bit. I feel like I listen to a lot of business podcasts. I'm also asked to be on a lot of business podcasts. And when I listen, I'm like, did you try it all to (laughs) clean this up a little bit? Like, it seems like we've gone, we've leaned too far into the scrappy, just hit record, just have a conversation with someone and whatever happens, happens, stream of consciousness. I mean, I like that. I, I, I don't feel like you should heavily edit your podcast. I did a, a great podcast interview with uh, Dan Monheit from Hard Hat Agency, and he was so surprised that a 45-minute podcast episode for me is a 45-minute recording. And he's like, what? We record for like 45 minutes to get a 15-minute episode. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't have that kind of editing cash to splash. So I don't believe in a heavily edited podcast, but I was listening to one the other day where, you know, they were talking over each other. They were laugh talking. They completely stuffed up a section. I mean, this is really easy these days with technology to cut that out and just give the people the good stuff without. And then as a result of all of that fluff, it was a 40, 58 minute episode. Oh, wow. We don't have that kind of time. It's like 60 minutes um, of backing and fl- like, that's the reason to cut it out. It's not because people want to hear polished perfection. It's just that they don't have that kind of time to sit there and consume what is essentially getting in the way of the great conversation. So anyway, that's my opinion when it comes to Australian content. <laughs> it is probably a very fine balance of that, you know, showing the authenticity without taking away from that value. Because um, mm. I know for myself, it's... I'm home full-time with two toddlers. Uh, So I don't have the luxury of casually listening to 60 minutes of dead air, Mm. for lack of a better term. Um, But, you know, I I like the the authenticity. I like the banter back and forth. But, you know, there needs to be more of the value versus the, I don't know what I'm listening to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think like almost everything in business, it's a Goldilocks solution, right? Where Mm -hmm. we look at what our US counterparts are doing and we're like, oh, that's a bit too Anthony Robbins for me. And we look at the scrappy kind of, it's clear I'm recording in my spare bedroom closet in Australia and find this nice middle ground where we're like, okay, how can I give the people what they want, the value, without too many distractions without it having to be this big stage production. That's one of the things that I loved about your podcast when I first found it. It felt like it was, like you said, a lot of the US business podcasts, they feel very stuffy to me. Mm. They're not, they feel like work to like, there's tons of value, don't get me wrong, but they almost feel like work 
to be listening to versus I felt like almost every episode that I listened to on your podcast, it, it felt like it was a fun way to consume marketing information and to keep up with marketing conversations. Oh, thank you. Again, and she's, she's not paid to, to say this, friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so any tips for you break, for people looking to break into the US market? Lots of Australian entrepreneurs, even I'm sure Danish and Dutch entrepreneurs wanting to break into this massive US market. Any thoughts from someone on the ground? You're in Boston, is that right? Uh, Seattle. Seattle, Seattle, sorry. Yep. So there's a lot of noise if we're talking social media specifically, there's a ton of noise. So whatever your differentiating value is, like we got to make that very clear right off the bat and why that's beneficial to the consumer. Mm. I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, but I think it's probably well known in the world that Americans are very self-centered. <laughs> uh, it's a conversation that you and I had before I joined Campaign Classroom. And we want to know, what, like, what, how is this going to benefit me? Because if it's not going to benefit me, I may or may not continue to watch it or consume it. Mm. That's the reality. (laughs) I love that. It's so true. Yeah, because we were having this conversation about the pricing of Campaign Classroom. Mm -hmm. And um, you saw the price and you're like, well, I assume it's US dollars. And, Mm. And that's my bad for not actually putting, you know, the currency on there because I my audience is beyond Australia. And you're like, no, I think it's just self-centered Americans thinking, oh, oh yeah. All <laughs> pricing is in US dollars. <laughs> Afterwards, I, I realized I was like, why would I think an Australian-based business is going to promote everything in US dollars? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but since then we have updated all the pricing to reflect the two dollars because um that was such a great insight for me. So I really, really uh, value that. And I think this, exactly what you said about getting to the good stuff straight away in terms of um, how what is your differentiation, what is your point of difference is so important because there are literally a million businesses doing what you're doing and you know, they could be, have been doing it for longer than you and are more established. They could be outspending you. They could have, you know, better connections than you do. They could live in a bigger city where there's just more opportunity to meet with people. And so it has become very, very competitive uh, business. A lot of people are starting businesses because they don't want to have full-time jobs. And so playing it safe is very, very risky. That's I've said that on about 20 of my podcast episodes because I believe it to my core. Mm-hmm. And it's just bland. Yeah. It's just boring. There's that too. <laughs> it's bland, it's boring, and it's just like another Instagram coach, another gift hamper company, another accountant working with businesses on their tax returns. Like I actually, I spoke at a retreat a couple of weeks ago and I stood up. <laughs> when I talk at these events, I start, like, you know, conservative a little bit and then 20 minutes in and it's all out the window and I'm telling it how it really is, Ashley. And and I, I said to this room of 70 people that I'd never met before, I just said, if any one of you comes and tells me that your point of difference is quality, I'm going to hunt you down, okay? <laughs> I'm going to hunt you down, I'm going to find you because quality is not a source of competitive advantage. Quality is the minimum requirement to be in business. And they're just like, 
oh my god, who let her in here? Did someone actually pay her to come oh, here and like <laughs> dress us down? And I was like, yep, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You're, the features of an offer are not the competitive advantage. Anybody can offer call times. Anybody can offer, you know, that groupings of features for an offer, but what makes yours different? Yeah. Do you have an example from you or from one of your clients where you're just like, it's this, not that? Yeah. I built a strategy recently for somebody who builds out like a, the project management um, workspaces. It was really interesting coming up with hers because there are a lot of people that offer ClickUp builds. So doing it very quickly isn't necessarily a, a unique value proposition. It's not differentiating value. So for hers, I really put in there her unique experience as an online business manager and going through the ClickUp certification gives her the ability to look at a business's overall processes and systems and immediately see those gaps mm. and work that into the ClickUp builds. I love that. That's better because it is, I have heard that it's quite difficult to get a ClickUp certification. There's not a lot of people in Australia that have that and it's quite a lengthy process. So I really like that you've used that proof point as well, that like, we'll do this and the proof that we can do this is the certification. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fabulous. All right. So now just to um, finish us off, tell us about your upcoming campaign that you worked on during Campaign Classroom. Oh my goodness. I am so excited for this campaign to yes. go live. It's called I Am Your Navigation System. And so it is really honing in on the fact that your marketing strategy is the roadmap to success in your business. It outlines where you're at, your starting point, point A to point B, your goals, your destination, and just really leaning into that theme of it being the map but still needing someone to navigate you through the map, right? For example, if you're driving a car, you're the driver there. But if you're trying to look at a paper map or even a digital map, a GPS, you're trying to listen to all of those commands and trying to process all at the same time, you're going to miss a turn. Mm. Something isn't going to go the way that you plan versus if you had someone there looking at the map, reinforcing all of the turns, um, the roads to take, you're going to get there so much faster. It's going to be less gas. It's going to be less time. It's going to be less frustration. And so me, I'm going to be your navigation system to reading your marketing strategy and directing you as the business owner through all of those, all of those ups, the downs, the roadblocks, the closures. All of oh that. my God, I love it. And I love <laughs> an analogy. Love an analogy. I think it's so clever because strategy is this unruly, intangible thing, but you've made it really tangible by, you know, making it this journey. And like, as you said, the roadblocks and the turnoffs and the U-turns and the gas, even the gas, which we call petrol. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gas, gas, gas in your car. Petrol or diesel, uh, so many diesel cars in Australia. But anyway, um, oh, so good. Okay. So Talk us through the visual identity of this campaign. What have you landed on? Yeah, so we are going to be using uh, vintage travel style posters yes! for the visual campaign, the visual. I love it. We have, we created a very unique, I shouldn't say it's a very unique, I mean, they're, they're vintage travel style, um, right? The art deco style. But um, I was very impressed with our ability to create them in Canva. Um, mm. Very, uh, we were very scrappy with um 
how we put all of this together versus, you know, having advanced Photoshop skill sets. There are so many amazing tools available to put some really amazing pieces together. Um, So utilizing that with uh, a lot of travel video B-roll for reels, um, maps for carousel posts, um, dotted lines to show you the the path that we're going to be taking. So it's very, very different from what I normally would be putting out on my business social medias. Typically, I would be very, as you would expect, very polished, clean Canva templates. And this is a total 180 from what you would expect to see coming out from my from my brand. So very excited about it. It's announcing um, the agency that I have uh, co-launched. Uh, so it's a full-service marketing and operations agency. And this is going to be the way that I'm announcing it to my personal brand. Amazing. Yeah. Well, the the way you capture attention is by doing something different, something new. That 180, it's, it's what's required. Otherwise, your audience are just like, okay, it's another post from Ashley. It's another marketing tip or it's another, you know, it's a day. It's just, it's just a regular day. And now it's not a regular day. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. It's going to be... I feel like everybody that sees that when it first goes out, they're going to be like, wait, who is this? Mm. What is that? I'm very excited. And that's how we pique people's interest and draw them in. And and then as a result, they're willing to spend time with that. And that's our job as marketers. How do we get people to spend time with our content? Enough time that we can, you know, entice them to spend more time and then ultimately part with some money. But First, we need to stop that scroll. To stop that scroll. Uh, the first job we have as a marketer is to just get them to pause for a minute so that we can tell them a few things because they're not even giving us that anymore. No, everything's seconds, max. Seconds, exactly. And so what is your channel strategy for I am a navigation system? What channels are you launching on? Yeah, so we uh, Instagram is the main social media platform. Mm -hmm. And we have created a new opt-in for email marketing. So we've got email going out, we've got blogs, there's going to be ads, uh, cover, trying to cover all of the bases here. Really, this is going to be the biggest launch for content that I have done personally for my own brand. So, so exciting. Well, thank you for entrusting me with that big next step in your marketing journey. It was such a pleasure and an honor to build this campaign by your side. I mean, I didn't do anything. You did it all. But um, just to like sort of just sit there and be like, yeah, that's awesome. Let's do that. Oh, you were an amazing sounding board. (laughs) And I love that it's integrated and multi-channel. That's exactly what, you know, is required when we talk about these 30 touch points that you require in order to get people to sit up and take action. Right. Yeah. Well, Ashley, it was such a pleasure to chat to you. How can people get in touch? Instagram is where I'm going to be most active. My Instagram is Ashley Drager. Mm-hmm. Very creative. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love for you to send me a message on there and um, just say hi. Let me know where you're from. If you're listening from Australia or Denmark or another country, love to hear. Fantastic. Okay. I'm going to link everything in the show notes. I'll even put the new opt-in for your campaign as soon as that launches. Thank you once again for imparting your wisdom with us and sharing your time with us, Ashley. It was fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not hit that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? 
Podcast reviews are like warm hugs and they're also the best way to support a small business. You can connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn. And feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly. 